This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. All right, uh, Andy Demetra coming up in 30 minutes. But we start the hour in Chapel Hill with words of chisdom. That's it. Pack. Words of chisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. What are you smiling about? The North Carolina assistant head coach for defense is Gene Chiswick, but it's so much more than that, Mark. Wouldn't you agree? This is so much more than that. Was that a question? Not sure. <laughs> yes, it was a question. Together. Look at that. Pac's got the, the UNC helmet. I love it. Thank you, Pac. By the way, yeah. this is uh this is the new one you guys just sent us too, by the way. We got about three or four yeah. versions that uh, I think eventually mm-hmm. we're going to put out for auction for local charities. But this is the new one, man. It's pretty sharp. Got to be honest with you. It's yeah, nice. it's pretty slick, Coach. Hey, Looks Pac, good. can you remove that Louisville one right behind you and put the UNC one right there? There you go. <laughs> for, <laughs> you, for you, I will do anything. <laughs> Make that permanent, Pac. Thank you. Right, there you go. <laughs> I mean, the show's out of Charlotte. Why would you have a Louisville helmet there? Well, I got everybody. Oh, God, know, here here's we go. How, here's normally how it works. Here, you know, whoever's hot, we put it behind us. That's kind of how we do yeah. it. All right, so Front right runner. now, this is smoking hot. All right, so smoking hot. We'll leave it right yeah. there for a while. I'm good with that. Hey, all right, Gene, uh, I think a lot of people were surprised when you went back. I think a lot of people, you know, you were doing great in television. I loved you. I told you I loved you on TV. Thought you were great. The insight, the the analysis, all that. But when Mac called, and and you always tell this story. I've read it a couple of different times. Did he call you annually to ask you if you were ready to come back and do this, or did this one just happen to trigger you? Well, it was really it was really interesting, Wes. I mean, we we talked quite a bit. And obviously, when we had conversations before, uh, there was a lot of, you know, it came up, right? I mean, it always came up about Mm -hmm. because, you know, typically every year I would get offered jobs. And and a lot of times I would call Mac and say, you know, what do you think about this? And and we would have some dialogue. And uh, obviously, in those conversations, he's like, well, are you ready to jump back in and do this? And, um, you know, and I felt like I had one more shot left in me if the right scenario occurred. And and really that was kind of the theme uh, every time we talked about it. So we had those conversations, even when we were in TV together, you know, we would go out to dinner or whatnot and we would have those conversations. And I would say, I think I have one more shot left in me, but obviously I could be picky um, and it had to be the right fit for me. So over the last five years, there's been a lot of, of scenarios that I've that I've turned, turned down and walked away from, uh, potentially doing. So when this came about, I didn't even know that's what the call was about. Um, I didn't, you know, I knew that, you know, there was, you know, some, some issues, you know, defensively potentially with North Carolina, cause I followed them a little bit, but I didn't really, you know, keep up with anything. So when Matt called on this particular day, I had no idea, uh, that it was about potentially taking this job, which was which was interesting. So it kind of caught me off guard. But we definitely had those conversations in the past. Coach, before we get uh, to your team, I, I want to go backwards because you and I have spent many – we've broken many a bread talking about the world of college football. Uh, since you've now been back for part two in Chapel Hill, 
from a recruiting perspective, given the change of the landscape of name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal and the mindset of the power of the student athlete having more control and power than ever before, how has that experience been for you going on the recruiting trail and going back to the past days, whether you're at Texas or at Auburn or at North Carolina part one, whatever the case, Iowa state, we go through the whole list here, but how does that feel? How does it feel totally different on the recruiting trail for you, given your experience this calendar year? You know, Pat, definitely a learning curve. Um, you know, it's been the whole, the whole scenario for me coming back, uh, being removed for five years, huge learning curve. Um, the approach recruiting wise hasn't changed. I think Mac is, is one of the master recruiters in the country. Um, that's well documented, but learning the landscape with, uh, NIL, what does that mean? What does that mean in recruiting? What does that look like? Uh, the transfer portal, what does that mean on how you coach players and how you recruit players and, and things of that nature and how they kind of intertwine, right? All of those things are, are related to each other. Uh, and it's been a learning curve for me. Um, but, you know, Coach does it, Mac does a masterful job of um, keeping our staff informed and us communicating on big picture ideas, right? Like, how are we handling the NIL stuff? Which, you know, as you know, the biggest potential problem is locker room division. I mean, that, that's it, right? So um, I think he's done an incredible job with our kids here of handling uh, the whole NIL scenario. We have some great entities in place to walk us through uh, the ways to do this right, you know, not just from a legislation standpoint, but doing the things right to, to make sure that our team, uh, there's no division in there because that can easily happen in the locker room. So from the recruiting standpoint, Pack. Um, no different. We recruit the kids the same way in terms of what we sell. Uh, but there is an NIL piece in there that we have to be aware of. But like I said, I feel great about our plan here. We talk about it daily uh, on what we need to do to adapt and adjust to the new age of college football. But certainly the f last five uh, years, I've been out of it. So I've been doing what you guys are doing. So I'm still in the learning curve. Uh, but this has been a great place to transition to it because there's some great means behind the madness on how we do it. Gene, there is the the fundamental piece of this though has not changed. And that is you got to play hard, you got to tackle, you got to score and you got to win games, right? I mean, you can throw all the other decorative stuff up to make it look like it's home for the holidays, but at the core, it's still got to be solid at its foundation. Um, the group you inherited defensively didn't seem that far off. The numbers don't reflect that, but the personnel, and having been there to see your spring game, I mean, they're guys who played and didn't play. You got some veteran pieces there, and you got some of the most exciting young players in the country who can be a part of this team. Yeah, Wes, that, 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 there's, there's a lot of facts to that. I mean, the bottom line is, is I'm excited about the group. Um, they really, really want to be good. They really want to work uh, at being great at their trade. You know, I was talking somewhere the other night and I was telling the group that I was speaking at that defense is sight, movement, and contact, right? You got to see it, um, you got to move to it, and you got to hit it. And those are things that are probably a little bit um, oversimplified when you hear me say it, but the game hasn't changed. It's all about that. And if we can teach these guys what they're looking at, uh, we know that they have the ability built in 
to move to it. We've got some big guys and we've got some fast guys uh, and, and we got some physical guys, but we got to teach them how to get in those positions. As you mentioned, um, it's, it's 200 years old, right? It's still about blocking and, and tackling. And I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people get lost in the, you know, the offenses and the tempos and spread the field and quarterback run game and RPOs and all these things that have happened. That's all true. And those definitely strain defenses. But at the end of the day, my philosophy and the roots of who I am will never change. It's about sight, movement, and contact. We got to find a way to see it fast, move to it fast, and tackle it when we get there. And when we weren't good on defense last year, one of those three things didn't happen very well. And if you go back and you look at um, you know, defenses that give up explosive plays, no matter where you're at, one of those three things didn't happen. So that's what we try to focus on daily, getting our kids to understand what we're trying to do, know what they're looking at. And I'm trying to get it back to the base fundamentals of the game and not so much schematic, let's out-guru the next guy. That's never worked for me. That's, that's never worked for me. And in all the defenses over the years, that's never been my deal. My, my deal isn't uh, we invented this defense. Boy, nobody will know what we're doing. My deal was let's put ourselves in a position to, to tackle and be physical and rush the passer and do all those things that matter. Gene, in the middle of June, uh, nobody has a finished product. So sitting here on June 14th, what is the best aspect right now, this second, of North Carolina's defense? I would say their desire to, to be great, Pac. I, I really do. And one thing I've seen, you know, we got a lot of guys with a lot of pride. We got some highly recruited guys on this defense and they don't want to have the same result that they had last year. And they're adamant about that. And um, I think to a degree, uh, in some performances, they're embarrassed. And, uh, you know, and, and in this game, it'll humble you. This game humbles you. And, you know, when you think you're all that, you know what, somebody's just going to show up and beat your brains out. And that's for coaches and players. And I think as coaches and players who care a lot about what, who they are and, and, and what they want to be known for, uh, when you don't have the results you want, I think you get embarrassed. So I think our players, to a little bit, uh, to to a degree, they want to they want to you know kind of resurrect their their reputations. They want to they want to be better. They want to play better. So you know somebody asked me th- this exact same question the other day, Pat. And to me, the biggest thing with our defense is they're all in. Right now, they are all in. Whatever we tell them, whatever we ask of them, they are to the best of their ability trying to do it. Uh, and, and that's really that's really the, the beginning phase of everything. Right. And and we always talk about, you know, don't don't tell me what you're going to do. Just show me what you're going to do. I need you to be accountable. I need you to understand, you know, our coaches, great coaches pack have the ability to remove the gray. That's what they do in defensive players. You know, a lot of times I go, well, I'm not really sure. Am I supposed to be here? Because offense is strain you. We're trying right now to remove the gray and teach them, and they are all in. I mean, you know, in this time of the year, in the summer, we can meet with them, and we can we can actually go out on the field with them. That's never happened in my career. That happened in the last five years. To now, all of a sudden, we're able to go out on the field with them in the summer. So uh, just some interesting new nuances for me that are helping us get where we need to get. But the number one thing that I'm pleased with with our defense right now is every guy is 100% all in. Um, we had Josh Downs on this show last fall and he was tremendous and we all know he's a gifted kid and uh, terrific player. 
However, you know, you've come back. Charlton Warren has returned. Tommy Thigpen, terrific linebacker at Carolina for Mac. And, you know, he's one of several former players. It, it, it was mine and Pac's understanding after our visit with Josh Downs, however, that the there's a coach in the secondary that every once in a while wanted to challenge Josh Downs. So how's Coach Bly doing, and uh, and do you have to keep him out of the drills every once in a while to keep to get it from going to the next level, Gene? Because I know Dre is Dre is all in. You said you said the defense is all in. Bly's been all in, if you know what I mean. Dre is all in every day. He's forty five years old. He thinks he can still cover, and he is. It's a myth. He just, I mean, <laughs> tells recruits. I will come cover you right now. I'm not buying it, guys. I've seen him move out there. Now, in his mind, he's still an all-pro. But I have to remind him, Dre, you're 45 now. So, um, but you talk about a guy that's all in. And a guy that's all in on Carolina, um, Dre's yeah. got energy. He's always he's fun to be around. Uh, the kids love him. He's a great recruiter. Uh, look, I mean, think about it. If you're a kid right now, wouldn't you want to be coached by a guy? Think about this, guys. His freshman year, he had 13 picks. Name mm-hmm. a time out of all your all the coverage that you guys have done over. Who's done that as a freshman? I mean, so um, it's really fun for guys to get coached by him as well. Uh, Gene, I did a game where he had three his freshman year. The game I broadcast yeah. in 1996, he had three. In the game. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't throw it as much back then either, Wes. No. Think about that. Nope. And Joe Hamilton threw him three, and two of them had bows on them. They were so bad. Joe made him an All American in one game. Is that what you're saying? That's, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. And in, in fact, I tell Joe that all the time. Joe made, Joe was an All American at Georgia Tech, but he made Dre Blind All American in 1996 on a Saturday in Chapel Hill. Uh, oh yeah, and he still thinks he's an all-American. Trust me, Gene. Uh, <laughs> Gene, you were part of a national championship team at Texas with Mac. You're part of a national championship team when you led Auburn and Cam Newton. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know about th- that quote-unquote chemistry. What makes teams special to get from here to here? Uh, what is it about college football now, today, that you could take from your times in Austin? Your time's at Auburn, and look at what's going on at North Carolina and go, guess what? Here is what we need to go from here to championship caliber, whether it be national championship, ACC championship, college football playoff, whatever you're doing, however you want to define it. What's, what's the missing piece right now when you look at this team? To me, Pac, every team that I've been on that's been great have three elements. They're selfless, they're tough, and their discipline. And, and those three things just jump out at me, right? Number one is being selfless because, you know, when that happens, nobody cares who gets the credit. They just want to win. And that's one of the things we talk to our guys all about in every great team that we've been on is that when you win, everybody gets more. So, you know, whatever your job is, whatever we're asking you to do, you have to be selfless in the approach. That's number one. Number two you got to be mentally and physically tough. This game has never been uh, more challenging in terms of the mental part, not just because of what happens on the field. It's because everybody has a voice out there, right? And so when you come off the field after a game, everybody's got an opinion on how you played. And that's not just a quarterback, right? That can be a corner. That can be a safety. You know, people see you miss a tackle or people see, 
you know, then people, everybody's got an opinion. And unfortunately, most young guys this day, these days, they read about it. They hear about it. So the mental part of being tough, not just physically, but being mentally tough to be able to block out all the outside noise, it's never been, it's never been more important. And then football is just a game of discipline. It really is, right? Games are usually not won and lost because the opponent is so much more talented than you when you get into league play, okay? And yes, in some teams, there's a disparity in talent. We know that. But in most cases, you are good or bad on offense or defense because of discipline issues, because of breakdowns somewhere. So it's about being accountable. It's about being disciplined. It's about doing your job. And all and I've been on three undefeated teams probably in the last 15 years, okay? And I haven't even coached for five of those. But probably in my last 10 years, I was on three undefeated teams. That's really hard to do in college football. And they were all different. But the way they were similar is that you had a very – there was an element of of selflessness. And in this day when it's all about me, social media, look at me. Let me go do a photo shoot. Look at me. Uh, being selfless is, is hard. It's hard to come by. But teams that are great have that, uh, that, uh, the ability to have a lot of guys who are selfless. They are tough mentally and physically. They're tough on the field, and they're tough to be able to handle whatever the results are off the field. And then usually they're teams that execute. They're disciplined, they're accountable, and they execute. And those three things right now jump out to me. If you're going to have a great team, that's what has to happen. You have to be selfless, tough, and disciplined uh, and, and so that's what we're trying to achieve. And that's what we're trying to strive for every day here if we want to be in the championship picture. And here's one of the things I said to the defense the day I got here. We don't ever talk about championships. We only talk about the habits and behaviors that give you a chance to succeed. OK, we don't use the C word. That has nothing to do with it. If you don't do the things with your habits and behaviors, you're never going to be in that conversation anyway. So that's what we've got to get flipped here uh, and work in a, in a direction of, of um, you know, habits and behaviors. There you go. That's the words of Chisdom right there, Pac. Yeah, habits no and behaviors for you and me the rest of the week. Right there. Oh, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Uh, don't well, tell me. I don't know what y'all's habits and behaviors are. Hey, I know you too. Hey, uh, Coach, I mentioned to Wes, uh, since I just got back from Italy, I ran across a, fa- a, oh. a phase and um, – uh, of just chilling out and enjoying life a little bit, and I ran across a a term, uh, il dolce far niente, and I think that should be the theme for all of us, not you, but us, because that means the sweetness of doing nothing, uh, and I think we could master that. To be honest with you, hey, I did that for five straight years. Now I have to go to work again. Yeah, well, believe me, ESPN understood that. Uh, that's why you're coaching again. Uh, I loved every minute of it, Pac. Good to work with you uh, guys. Hey, tell the family we said hello. Hey, please do. Guys, Good to see you, my man. Look forward to seeing you always, soon. It's always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Gene Chiswick, assistant head coach of defense, Carolina, coordinator, man in charge. Habits and behaviors, Pac. That's the way we're going forward the rest of this day and – here well, on. Well, I, I when we come back, it's probably a good thing that you mentioned it on National Bourbon Day because uh, habits of behavior, I think, actually comes into play later on. <laughs> More on the best moment for your quote new ACC teams next. The Packer and Durham Podcast.
This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Many thanks to the coach, Gene Chizik. Uh, Andy Demetra is coming up here to talk a little Georgia Tech football at the bottom of the hour. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Uh, we started off this day talking about Notre Dame and, of course, playing Texas Friday night in the College World Series and pack statement yesterday about the the regional win at Tennessee perhaps being Notre Dame's best moment as a member of the ACC. So got us to thinking since the 21st century began and we've added new schools to this league, what's been their best moment as a member of the ACC? We went through BC and Louisville and Miami earlier. Now with Pittsburgh, I got to believe last falls at the top of the list, Pac. I got to believe Pat Narduzzi winning the ACC championship is the highlight of Pitt's membership so far in this league. Yeah, I'm hard-pressed to come up with another one better than that. Uh, But Kenny Pickett coming back, the incredible run he had, the Pitt Panthers winning the ACC championship, knocking Mm -hmm. off Wake Forest, going to a New Year's Day six-ball game. Uh, You know, maybe a Pitt fan can call up and say, ah, man, it's the volleyball team or whatever angle you want to go. That's all fine and good. But I thought this right here – was the culmination of a lot of hard work and some good things happening and Kenny Pickett coming back. But Pitt had a really, really good year last year in football. To me, that's the one. That's the one for the Pitt Panthers. Yep. Yep. So uh, Pittsburgh's title last fall, maybe the top of the card. For Syracuse, we kind of came back to two spots in the road here. One is a football moment from – 2017, when they beat number two Clemson on a Friday night, Eric Dungy was terrific. I mean, it's a huge win for Dino Babers. I mean, the roof came off the place. Uh, points, if you remember, Zarek Cooper finished the game at quarterback for Clemson after Kelly Bryant got hurt. There's Josh um, Macri jumping over the rail going out. Yeah, to Josh Macri jumping over the rail. That's it. Voice of victory out on the middle of uh, Legends Field. Um, or, or the upset come from behind victory against Virginia in Chicago to get Pittsburgh to Houston for the final four, Michael Benajay, I mean, you know, Richardson, Bayheim's team comes from behind, beats Virginia, loses to Carolina and Houston the next Saturday at the final four, Trevor Cooney, Bayheim gets a net. I mean, what do you think, Pac? Um... Well, as a Clemson alum, I'm going to go to the basketball route there for Syracuse. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, they were both totally unexpected, right? I mean, Syracuse does mm-hmm. their, that yeah. you know, Bayheim magic come March, and here goes Syracuse again. And just what do you think? Are they, should they even be in the tournament? Ah, I don't know. Flip a coin, in or out. The next thing you know, they make this crazy run to a Final Four. So that was remarkable in itself. And, of course, Dino that night caught magic in a bottle and, uh, they knock off the Tigers. And, of course, they've knocked off some ranked teams too. Virginia Tech was on that list, but nobody as high as what Clemson was yep. at that particular time. My gut tells me it would be the run to the Final Four uh, because a lot of folks mm-hmm. thought that that was Tony Bennett's time to get Virginia there, and it didn't happen, right? Of course, a couple years later, right. we know how all that all played out for the good folks in Charlottesville. So my gut would be the basketball run for Syracuse would be my my initial thought process there. I'm with you on that. Uh, Virginia Tech is our last one of the newbies, if you will, in this uh, century. Um, some might say baseball. 
from no. this past year, reaching no. the Super Regionals for the first time. That's no. the most recent accomplishment. Nope. However, I think it was March. I back. agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I think Virginia Tech going to Brooklyn, knocking everybody off, playing their way right into the tournament, getting the automatic bid, winning the ACC Men's Basketball Championship, in my opinion, and the Hokies have done some good things in football as well. Uh, but I thought right. this was it for the Hokies. Now, Virginia Tech Nation could call in, send us tweets, whatever you want to do, and totally disagree. But this was an amazing run, uh, especially after the 0-4 start yep. in the regular season where the expectations were high for this team. They got off to a slow start, and uh, Coach and his guys, man, they just kept grinding. And by the end of it, that was a really, really good basketball team. Yep, and uh, along the way – Beat Duke and Carolina. There you go. Just like we talk about the the scenario with Notre Dame winning in Greensboro that that Saturday night. Virginia Tech beat Carolina on Friday and Duke on Saturday in Brooklyn to to win the ACC championship. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say March here uh, for the Hokies. Now, some may point to a, a Virginia Tech football championship along the way. That'd be fine too. Uh, they beat Florida State and Charlotte one night. I mean, there's all sorts of different little iterations of it. But, you know, what happened in March was was pretty spectacular. So, And the first, ones are, all, the, the first ones are always the best ones, right? When you always remember the first That's right. one. And the Hokies got their first one in Brooklyn. That was pretty cool. There you go. Uh, on the backside here, um, Andy Demetra joins us. Two-a-days with Georgia Tech. We will talk to the radio voice of the Jackets here in June about where Jeff Collins' team is. We had Chris Winkie on the other day. Demetra's next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Uh... I think the tornadoes are finished in here in Charlotte, so we're going to survive, I think, the show was. Stop. Good grief. What a mess. Thanks to Gene Chizik here in the Power Hour, but we're not done because it's time to talk Georgia Tech Football 22. That's what we got going on. There's Andy Demetra, ladies and gentlemen, live from Metro Atlanta. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, Chris Winkie was on this show last Friday. Uh, promptly hammered Packer for things Packer said about him when he quarterbacked the Carolina Panthers, but we were we were able to move on. Truth hurts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so that being said, it leads me to this. Uh, Winky is one of several new faces on Jeff Collins' staff. How fast can that coaching chemistry take place? with Andy, what appears to be a personnel chemistry that also will need to be addressed because there are a lot of new names and numbers on the roster in Atlanta right now. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, West, because you have seven new coaches, like you mentioned. Chris Winkie, Chip Long, takes over as offensive coordinator. And on top of that, a lot of new faces. Uh, Georgia Tech replenishing offensively, certainly through the transfer portal. Uh, and it's going to be a matter of how quickly can they get everything integrated. That's why the spring was so important for Georgia Tech and also why they wanted to get right at it in spring football. I mean, our spring game was on St. Patrick's Day. That's as early a spring game as anybody had in the country, but it underscores just how 
urgent Georgia Tech wanted to approach this offseason and making sure everybody could get acclimated to the playbook and, and their style of offense. But I, I will say this. There seems to be a really good vibe, really good chemistry, camaraderie between the players and the new coaches. Uh, I picked up on it just being around Bobby Dodd Stadium and around the football facilities here, and I'm excited to see uh, how it all come together uh, beginning in August. You know, Andy, the, the thing that's, I think, hard to, to gain with Georgia Tech is I, I don't think there's any doubt the football program is better and Jeff and the job he's done. But for crying out loud, mm. the schedule has been so hard that fans want to get that initial satisfaction of, hey, we're making progress, we're going to a bowl, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that's a goal, but man alive, the schedule has been relentless during the Jeff Collins era. And I don't mean to use that as an excuse because the object is, hey, we're here to win games, we have a budget, we have a staff, we do this all, da, da, da. But man, I go down this schedule again and hey, right out of the gate, hey, let's go play Clemson to start things off. Yeah. And it doesn't get any easier. So, with that said, that's a delicate balance, trying to keep people happy winning games. And you look down the schedule and you see Clemson for an opener, Ole Miss non-conference, nasty. At UCF, nothing fun about that. Georgia, of course, at the end of the year. I mean, they're just it's hard to come up for air when you look at this 22 campaign, but that's been the case since Jeff's been there. Yeah, I mean, it was the case last year. I mean, you think about Georgia Tech in non-conference last year, they played Georgia, they played Notre Dame back-to-back to end the season, and we know those didn't go so well. But at the same time, those were two teams that were in the top ten. It's not like Georgia Tech is is plugging in you know, an FCS school and a, a, a low FBS program, and those are two automatic wins that you can put on the calendar. So, yeah, Georgia Tech is going to have to earn its way through this schedule, but they embrace that challenge. They, they make no secret about it that they're going to have to be sharp from the opening kickoff of the opening game of the season. And that's why you get that feeling of urgency permeating uh, the facility here uh, because of what's ahead of them in this first month of the season. They're going to have to be ready. Uh, There's no easing into the schedule. But at the same time, that's something that they've embraced. They're not shying away from it. They're, you know, it's like what John Moran said. They're not ducking the smoke. And and that's the attitude that you need to have when you you take on a schedule like this. Andy is... I mean, it's easy to say this, that the quarterback's the most important guy offensively, but it really feels like Jeff Sims' development, his improvement, Chris Winkie, Chris Winkie's influence, Chip Long's influence. If Jeff Sims has a good year, Georgia Tech's going to have a chance. If Jeff Sims does not have a good year, it's going to be a harder fight. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And look, a lot of teams would envy having a guy who's entering his third year as a starter at quarterback. So Georgia Tech has that luxury with Sims. And I think Jeff, you know, he battled injuries last season, but in spite of that, he increases completion percentage. You see on the screen, 57% for his career, but he, he completed 60% of his passes last year. His touchdown to interception ratio got better. And now you pair him with Chip Long and some of the things that he likes to integrate in his offense with perimeter screens involving the tight ends. Can that translate into better accuracy for Jeff Sims? It also can then translate into better efficiency inside the red zone. I think Georgia Tech was right on the cusp of having a pretty good offense last year, but they left points on the board because they were in the bottom dozen in the nation in their their touchdown efficiency inside the red zone. So there are definitely some areas where Jeff Sims will need to take that next step for this Georgia Tech program to take a next step. Uh, But it's right there for the taking. And I I think in, in Jeff Sims, you have a really... Uh, willing audience for Chip Long and Chris Winkie and some of the wisdom and, and schemes that they're imparting on him. 
uh, to try to give Georgia Tech the best version of Jeff Sims they can have uh, so that they can fulfill the potential that he has and Georgia Tech has uh, in 2022. Andy, on the defensive side, I mean, the secondary had moments last year. You just shook your head and you said, hey, you got to get off the field. I know the moving the change has been important Mm -hmm. offensively, but defensively, you got to get off the field. So from that perspective, what do you think the expectations are on the defensive side for Georgia Tech? Yeah, and and that's a big thing, Mark, because it was not only third down offense, but third down defense where Georgia Tech struggled last year. And you you struggled to stay Mm -hmm. on the field. You struggled to get off the field. And that's going to wear on you over the course of a game. I, I will say this about Georgia Tech. Between Charlie Thomas and A. Seeley, you have two really good anchors in the middle of your defense. A. Seeley nearly had triple-digit tackles last year. Charlie Thomas is one of the most lay-down and stay-down hitters that you will find in the ACC. He's been slept on a little bit, I think, around the ACC, but I, I'm confident that will change this upcoming season. And then it's about can you develop a consistent pass rush? There's no more Jared Ivey. There's no more Jordan Dominic. But, you know, guys like Keon White will have to step up. Keon White, somebody that, guys, I think can really be a breakout candidate for Georgia Tech. He, he didn't make his season debut last year until November 6th. But he posted some monster numbers at Old Dominion before transferring to Georgia Tech. And, and you got a taste of that kind of disruptiveness that Keon White can bring to the edge for the Yellow Jackets. Kevin Harris, the guy that they got last year from Alabama, was a very violent, disruptive player. It didn't quite translate on the field, but I think they still feel very optimistic about what he can bring. So there is depth in that defensive ends room, but you're right, Mark, they need to have that consistent pass rush. I don't think defending on first and second down was as much the issue for Georgia Tech last year. They're just getting off the field on third down, and so much of that starts with up front. Uh, they've got some talent, uh, and maybe not the proven production, but they've got some talent. It's just a matter of whether uh, they can take that next step forward this season. All right, we've mentioned Jeff Sims here. Uh, feel like we ought to at least talk about Malachi Carter from that standpoint, but invariably this is going to come back to running the football. Um, Hassan Hall has transferred from Louisville to be back home. I know you added the kid from Buffalo who's a pretty good player. Um, is that is that the basic core of the run game? Dante Smith, I know, is there. I mean, you got guys who've certainly mounted some degree of stats. If yeah, if they I, can I, I keep think... the ball on the if they can keep the ball on the ground, it feels like that's going to be their best option until they get some confidence in what Chip Long wants to do throwing it. Sure. And let's not forget, Wes, when when Chip Long was the offensive coordinator of Notre Dame in 2017, that Irish team set a school record for rushing offense. So often we frame Mm -hmm. a new offensive coordinator in terms of what he can bring to the passing game. But Chip Long's offense is also suited to have a lot of success in the inside zone and keeping the ball on the ground. And I, I think Dante Smith is ready for his turn in the spotlight. Here's a guy who even though he wasn't maybe the number one or the number two back to get the ball last year, he averaged nearly six yards a carry. And we were so impressed by Dante's ability to run violently and get him make himself small and burst through holes. I think he's ready for a starring role in that Georgia Tech backfield. Now, unquestionably, it's stung when, when Jameer Gibbs 
uh, left the program, and, and Jordan Mason was a 2,300-yard rusher for his career as well. But Dante Smith, I think, fits the profile of a lead back that can be very productive for Georgia Tech. And then, like you mentioned, going and getting to Hassan Hall, an Atlanta native who was an all-ACC, all-purpose back at Louisville. Getting Dylan McDuffie, who was a 1,000-yard rusher at Buffalo. He's now reunited with his position coach at UB, Mike Daniels, who's the new running backs coach at Georgia Tech. I think with Dante Smith and some of the moves Georgia Tech made to replenish the room through the transfer portal, what was maybe a, a bit of an unknown or an area that may have given Tech fans some angst at the beginning of the spring, they should feel pretty solid in, in the talent they have in the backfield now as we enter the season. Well, here's the question I really want to know. Uh, you're doing this interview, it looks like, from a bedroom. I'm assuming that's not your bedroom. Would that be accurate? It is uh, in office sometime during the week, and it's my daughter's bedroom other times during the week, yes. All right, so we're talking about Clara. Is that correct? Your daughter, Clara? That is correct. And Clara is actually downstairs watching this interview right now. I'm sure okay. she's taking a lot of notes. And I look forward to a very thorough critique of her dad's job on Packer and Durham once we get done. All right, so here's what I'd like to do. Uh, and I don't know how long it takes Clara to go from downstairs back up to her bedroom, but I would like for her, if she's watching, to come upstairs oh, and God. open up the door and get some <laughs> national television exposure because to, to have to sure. give up the bedroom so dad can do an interview is kind of a pain in the rear end. So I hope Clara yeah. can walk up very quickly Open up the door, wave. If she wants to add something to Georgia Tech Nation, she could do that. But I think this needs to be her debut on network television. I mean, yeah. we already we already got Emmy we already got Emmy awards downstairs. The least we could do is have yeah. Clara, who's sacrificing the bedroom for this interview, to make an appearance. So one of two things could happen right now: either Clara has already uh, turned off and is watching some cartoons. Uh, actually, three things. That's number one. Number two is she's going to be way too shy and sheepish to maybe do that. Or you see this door over my shoulder. She'll be bursting through it like a Kool-Aid man. And she'll be crashing this interview. Um, I don't hear footsteps yet. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how, how much time we have before commercial break. But uh, I'm gonna... yeah, she's somewhere down there. And I, I, I hope, if nothing else, we have turned her into a Packer and Durham fan so that that'll be on in lieu of whatever she normally watches in the mornings here when she's with me over the summer. All right, so if she does not well, appear in the next 10 seconds, here's the deal, Andy. Uh, at dinner table tonight, you're like, hey, kid, you blew it. I mean, you, you, you got to be ready. You got to be ready for your cue. You got to be ready to roll. I'm, yeah, yeah, she, I'm she gonna had her chance. This. She, yeah. Oh, I'm going to offer this to you, Andy. Uh-oh, wait a yeah. minute. Do you hear footsteps? Wait a I second. footsteps. Okay. There's Claire. Get out of the way. There we go. Get out of the way. Look. See? See? There she is. That's it. I don't know if you heard her say this, but she said, I'm not sheepish. I know it. I love it. There Claire, we go. congratulations. Star of the show. Way to right go, Claire. There, there it is. Like, there we go. Way to go. Waved all your buddies. Smile for the camera. Got the, yeah, that's there it. There you go. Love it. And once again... We saved another one from cartoons. Way to go, That's Andy. It. Good job. We'll see you. Packer and Durham. It's a family program, guys. That's it. You got it. Good <laughs> Take job, care, Claire. Man. See you, Claire. All right, Have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right. You too. We'll continue with more. Uh, when we come back, an ACC legend battled a mascot in Indianapolis. And it brings about, speaking of athletic accomplishments, who is the most athletic ACC mascot? That's next on Packer and Durham.
the Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. Highlighted today by Clara making her debut on the program. Yes. And uh, that will be the talk of the kids on the neighborhood. Yep. I had to carry another network television show. Dad running his mouth about Georgia Tech, but I had to come in there and save the day. Clara getting the job done. That's it. Nice job. Well done. Thanks to Gene Chiswick, uh, Yasir Abdullah, Claudio Romero, John Mediprell, and Andy Demetra and his daughter Clara for being a part of the uh, program today. Yep. Uh, ACC legend Matt Ryan ended up in a challenge with the Colts mascot, Blue. Now, Blue and Matt have established quite a relationship since Ryan arrived in Indianapolis. Uh, Marshall and Johnny, his two sons, however, Blue has quickly become a favorite in the Ryan household. Well, here is Matt and Blue in a game of Pong, if you will, after one of the Colt workouts here recently. Ooh. Next bucket wins. Blue hit the deck, and it's over. No? Oh, wow. Blue comes away with the win. No rebuttal? Look at that. Tell you what. So Ryan and Blue in a game of Pong. I like that, huh? I uh, I will say this. I mean, I, I get Matt Ryan throwing swishes out there, but for a mascot dressed up that thing, that's a pretty strong move yeah. there by Blue. Got to tell you. All right. Now – um, it brings about the most athletic ACC mascots, Pac. Oh, boy. Because Blue's knocking down threes there, right? Now, Josh Macri, the voice of victory, has offered up Renegade. Chief Osceola rides Renegade out. Now, what, are we talking about the mascot that's dressed up as the horse or the real horse? Ecavallo. No, Cimarron... Let me let me just let me let me tell you this. Cimarron is the mascot dressed up as the horse. Well, that's what I was talking about. That's not about. Renegade. Cimarron. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. I don't know. I got to give that one some thought. Tuffy? No, nah, Tuffy's Tuffy? out. You know why Tuffy's out? Tuffy loses the benefit of the doubt because Tuffy blew us off when we did our show from Raleigh. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of down oh, on gosh. Tuffy a little bit. No disrespect. What about of course, Macri producing the show again suggests Otto most athletic. No. No, Josh. No. 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 Otto is Otto's Se- Sebastian. Sebastian the Ibis, most athletic. You know, back in the day, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket was uh number there one was. creative and athletic. Now I can't speak about the modern Correct. version. Again, I don't mean to to diss anybody here, but the, the jacket used to right. really buzz was rocking it now. Mm-hmm. Buzz was good. Rock the Panther. I'm a big fan of rock, by the way. I'm yeah. always been a fan of rock. The Panther. Yeah. Huge fan. Rock yeah, does the know. push-ups. Yeah. I got to give that one some thought. Yeah. Clemson right. Tiger doing push-ups. Well, let me run. Trevor let me Lawrence throw... was lighting them up for about 75 a game. That was uh that was a workout yeah. in the Valley. Yeah. When it was 106 degrees. Um, all right, let me ask you this. How about, the, de- how about, the, go, demon de- how about uh, the demon deacon on the motorcycle? As uh, my neighborhood experienced at uh, 6.30 in the morning when we started this show years ago. There you go. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. More on this perhaps tomorrow. 
Devin Leary on Thursday's program, by the way, the NC State quarterback. We're kind of looking forward to that in the 9 o'clock hour, by the way. Um, do we have time to run the tortilla slap challenge? I want to see it. I've heard about it. I've not seen it. ACC. Okay. I want to see it. Uh, this is a – this is the Las Vegas Aces took part in a tortilla slap challenge. Jackie Young's the winner. Now, you got a lot of ACC WNBA players here. You've got Chelsea Gray. You got Dorica Hamby of Wake Forest, Asia Shepard of Virginia Tech, and Jackie Young, of course, who played at Notre Dame. Now, what you do here is you fill your mouth with water, apparently, and you slap the other contestant in the face with tortillas and it looks like it comes down to the end is that is that chelsea chelsea gray and jackie young boy there's nothing nothing like teamwork is slapping your teammate in the face with a tortilla i don't know about that one wes gotta tell you not sold on that one that's an illegal use of the tortilla because normally I get, a, I get a tortilla that close to my face. I got news for you. I'm not worried about uh, yeah. spitting water out. I'm I'm worried about taking a bite out of it. Normally with cheese and rice, chicken, chicken. onion, peppers, whatever Claudio Romero wants to have in the uh, burrito bowl yeah, at Chipotle. So whatever works for a fajita normally works pretty good with one of those. The way I looked at it, so I'm not um, sure. I'm not sure I'd work. By with the that. way. Claudio Romero, terrific debut on the program. Uh, Chipotle, needs appreciate to come his time. Just, just come on now, yeah. Chipotle. And I mean, McDonald's is getting in behind Brennan Armstrong. Chipotle, come on, Claudio Romero and Chipotle seems like a match made in heaven, doesn't it? Natural fit. So natural. Uh, more more two a day coverage tomorrow and uh, Thursday. Devin Leary on this program and more in depth on Notre Dame's appearance in the College World Series. Uh, Thanks to uh, Angela. Great job producing this show. Josh Macri, Chrissy Velez, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., another edition of Packer and Durham. Have a great day. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.